0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. That
1: good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down. Let's go down. Come on down.
2: Oh, sisters,
1: let's go down Come on brothers, let's go down Down in the river to pray As I went down in the river to pray Studying about that good old way And who shall wear the starry crown the Lord, show me the way Oh fathers, let's go down I went down in the river to pray, study. I went down in the river to pray Studying about that good old way And who shall wear the starry crown Good Lord, show me the way Oh, sinners, let's go down I went down in the river to pray Studying about that good old way And who shall
2: wear the robe and crown Good Lord, show me the way As a child, I was taught to pray. Our family would gather every morning and every evening and Dad would take down his big black Bible And he would open the scriptures, and he would read for us, or mother would read for us. They took turns. And then we would kneel together to pray, my mother, my father, and three of us youngsters. Always dad prayed first, then mother would pray, and then my oldest brother Roger would pray, and then Don would pray, and then the smallest, Ray came to pray. It was a solemn time. It was a time when we recognized something different was happening. It was a time when I began for the first time to just open my heart to Jesus. Sometimes when we were finished with our prayers, my mother would kindly chide me and say, Raymond, Little boys are supposed to pray little prayers because I could go on for quite some time talking to Jesus. Sometimes when we were finished with our family prayer, my father would begin to say the Lord's Prayer. So I was introduced at a very early age to the Lord's Prayer Sometimes my father would end his prayer by saying, And now, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that was the signal for all of us to join together with Dad in praying the Our Father. Now, I also grew up in church, and the Lord's Prayer was often prayed in our worship service. And so it became something by rote memory. It became something that was special in my heart, but with no understanding of what I was praying or why I was praying it. The disciples asked Jesus, Would you teach us to pray? That was a customary request. In that day, teachers did not stand in front of students and lecture Rather, the disciples, or literally the ones taught, the students, would follow their teacher wherever he would go. They would they would walk on the road. They would go to his home. He was with them all day. They were disciples. And it was in this setting that the disciples recognized that John had taught his disciples to pray and that other teachers, it was the custom of the day to have even some very long pieces that were repeated time after time as a learning mechanism in the teaching by the rabbis and by even the secular Greek teachers. And so Jesus gave them a model prayer This model prayer has been of great value to me. I still today follow the format of the Lord's Prayer in my own prayer life, expanding it into all of the areas that it introduces. But today I'd like to walk through just the exact wording of the Lord's Prayer. I think you'll be surprised by what you hear. And I suspect that after you hear this, you won't be able to unhear it. I suspect it will change your life as it has changed mine. Now, I'd like to begin by praying. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining today. I pray this message encourages you in your heart and turns your heart toward Jesus and his love and grace and mercy. Now let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You notice that this prayer that I've just shared with you begins with who we're talking to. That is of great import. I hear many people today praying, Dear God. That's not an instructed way to pray. Which God are you addressing? There are many gods in the world, false gods, but still treated as though they're gods. Allah is one of those. He is not the god of heaven and earth. He is not the ruler of mankind. He is a Mesopotamian moon god. And there are many other gods. There's Buddha and others that you can name, Shintoism, Hinduism. Rome had a whole plethora of gods. But the Lord wanted us to know exactly who we were speaking to. And he wanted us to know that as we begin to pray, we do not pray, My Father in heaven. This is not just My Father. We're part of a family. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we begin to recognize the family ties that we share with everyone who comes and says to the Lord God of heaven our father our father father a term of respect a recognition that we came from his hand from his heart that he is our creator that he is that he is the one who has nurtured us and carried us and so the lord's prayer begins with Our Father, who art in heaven. We also find Jesus wants to identify that we are family, that we're dealing with our daddy, our father, and that he resides in heaven, a place far above us, but a place very near us. Our Father, who art in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be your name. What does that word hallowed mean? We find the same Greek word used as sanctified or sanctified be your name. But what does the actual Greek word, well, it's made up of two words and it means separated from the earth. Separated from the earth. And the sense is separated from lying, cheating, stealing, murder, separated from every rising evil. So, right up front, we know that we're family. We come to a father, we come to one who supplies our needs who hears our cry. He dwells in heaven, and he is utterly separate from the earth's wickedness. He is separate from that which is bitter, from that which is evil. Hallowed be your name. For the Hebrews, the name meant everything. It identified who you were. And Jesus has said, this is Father. Now, we've known God by many names in the scriptures. Every name we receive about God is a descriptor of his salvation work for us. Through the universe, I don't think he's known as Father any more than Jesus is known as Jesus Jesus is, he saves his people from their sin. So, whether you want to call him Father, Jesus, whatever the name you use for God, it is a descriptor, a descriptor of the work of salvation, of loving outreach to the people, to the descendants Of Adam and Eve. Then he says, Your kingdom come. What does that mean? Well, first, he's not speaking about a regional kingdom, he's not speaking about a geographic kingdom, he's speaking about divine authority. So wherever God exercises his divine authority, that is considered a part of his kingdom. And this Lord's Prayer is saying, let your divine authority come upon the earth. This is a prison planet. This is a planet that is cut off from all of the rest of the universe We are here because of sin and it's in this place that Jesus came to die for us. It's in this place that the medicine is being applied, the blood of Jesus, to cleanse and wash and purify us. It's here that the struggle is to have the kingdom of God rule over every man and every woman, every instance of every circumstance, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're saying, Lord, the desire of my heart is that you should come and exercise your full divine authority in this place. Don't let Satan have even an inch of territory. We claim it back from him. We claim it in the name of Jesus the kingdom of God must rule over abortion. The kingdom of God must rule over war and disease. The kingdom of God must rule over every evil heart. So when we begin to pray, your kingdom come, we are saying, let your divine rule be exercised over this place, over these people. This is a very powerful petition that God hears now sometimes his actions in response to those prayers can seem very violent take Sodom and Gomorrah the cry of people arose into heaven the scriptures tell us and God heard their cries and came down to see if what he was hearing was actually true and utterly burned the whole area of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because when God comes, he comes in mercy, he comes in love, but he also comes in righteousness and judgment. Remember, we must grasp a hold of how big God is. And we must grasp a hold of a vision of his holiness. And then we must also grasp the vision of the compassionate love of Jesus. So we're praying your name is unlike anything on this earth. This earth is full of evil and wickedness darkness. Your name is not like that. And we're asking that your divine rule now come upon the earth. Now it says, Your will be done. Your will be done. That word done in the Greek means to cause to be, to generate. The Greek word here is the same as we get our word for generator. What's a generator do? It produces electricity. So we're saying, your kingdom come, your divine rule, come and be exercised over this area and let your will begin to generate righteousness in this place. Let your will be exercised to create, to generate love and mercy and forgiveness. Let your power, your will, let it come that we want everything to be done according to your will. Now, this is probably one of the most dangerous prayers you can pray because you're actually asking God, would you come into my life Would you take over my life? Would you let your divine power rule over my heart and my mind and my body? And I am totally surrendered to you. I am, as it says in Romans 12, on the altar of burnt offering. I no longer walk in my own will. I no longer do those things that my heart desires to do. I want what your heart desires, Jesus. Let your will be exercised over my life, over the circumstances that I find myself in. Let your will take charge because it is a generating power. It is not a passive power. And God will begin to move in your life. He will change the circumstances. He will alter what you think should be done. He will not ask you what you think should be done. He will simply begin to move in power to bring about his will. Now, that's why if you pray this Lord's Prayer, you better be absolutely sure that you want to submit to the presence and power of God because this is a moving, generating power that we are asking God to bring in. We're asking him to bring in a big generator and hook it up. And start to produce the electricity that will change everything in our hearts and in our lives. To generate. Your kingdom come, your will be done, your will be generated in our hearts. Don't pray this if you don't mean it. He will. Take away the sin of our hearts. He will cause those things which we have loved to become horrid in our mouths, in our hearts. He'll cause you to lose all taste for, for your cigarette or your alcohol or your fornication. He'll cause you to totally lose taste for pornography. If you begin begin to pray and ask God to bring his royal authority over your life, he will bring discipline upon your life, and he will head you probably straight out into the desert. This is where Jesus was taken. He was without sin. He was baptized in the Jordan by John, and immediately... It says the Spirit of God drove him or led him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days he almost died out there in that desert. I've almost died in my desert. And new believers have come along who've not been taught properly the gospel of Jesus, and they scorn this old holiness preacher. (laughs) I'm an old holiness preacher, guys. I'm not going to change. I'm going to call you to leave your sin, to walk washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to say, if you call yourself a sinning Christian, you are lying to yourself, because lying, cheating, stealing, sinning doesn't go with the word Christian. Christian is a person who follows under the divine authority of God and totally submits themselves to the will of Jesus and becomes a fisher of men, a soul winner. Be very careful how you pray this prayer. The Lord led me into the desert many years ago, and I'm still there. I don't understand why I've been here so long. I have lost just about everything that's of value to me. No, let me put it another way. I have lost everything in this world that I could have Jesus. I've lost money, social standing. I've lost friendships. It's cost me Everything I have. But I have Jesus. And when I say I'm an old holiness preacher, and that's, <laughs> I received a phone call this morning, and that's what a dear brother called me. He called me an old holiness preacher that won't change. Well, he's right by holiness preacher, he meant a person who lifts up the cross of Jesus, announces the entrance into the desert and the change process now in the school of the Holy Spirit that must take place if you are to be transformed into the likeness and character of Jesus Christ. Oh, you can keep your old sinful character and you can go to church every Sunday and you can even go and preach and sing in the choir and play in the band. But you're not going to heaven. If you're walking in sin, you're lost. You can't enter the kingdom of God with sin. Nothing of a vile nature will ever enter the gates of the New Jerusalem. Many have tried to change me. They've told me I'm foolish, I'm fanatic. They've said, why don't you just... Work as a normal person works. Why don't you work as a normal pastor works and just love people and build a great congregation and bring in the bands and bring in the concerts and bring in the special guest speakers and and do it all dolled up and people will come. There You're a good preacher, pastor. Just do it right. I had one man who said, Pastor, if you'll leave Washington, D.C. and go do the right kind of ministry, I'll give you $50,000 to leave and go start somewhere else. <laughs> I can't leave and start somewhere else. I'm an old holiness preacher. I don't change. If you've been listening to me for any period of time, you know I'm the same now as I was Five years ago except I'm deeper in Jesus and more committed and I'm walking straighter now than I ever have because I'm growing up in Jesus I'm maturing in Jesus so when you pray your kingdom come Jesus your royal authority father be exercised over me your will be generated in me on earth as it is in heaven In other words, treat me like you would treat me if I was in heaven. Get me washed up. Get me cleaned up. Get me transformed and make me holy. Sanctify me. Set me apart. Lord, do whatever you have to do, but get me ready for heaven. Oh, he's going to do that. And he'll do it through prescriptive suffering. Did you hear me? Prescriptive suffering suffering not to make us bitter not to make us angry we have to get through that <laughs> no I, I've been very angry at god sometimes and when i get angry at god the holy spirit leaves me that's like getting angry at my father when he used to punish me as a child i get very angry but i had to repent dad was still the one who provided for me my food came from his hand (laughs) your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and now verse 11 this is Matthew 6 verse 11 give us today our daily bread. Our food comes from the Father in heaven. And first and foremost, he gave us Jesus. And Jesus said, my body, my broken body is real food and my shed blood is real drink. Eat and drink my flesh, my blood. This is for your food. So, first of all, we have to recognize that all of the nurturance of our soul is found in Jesus Christ. And then at a very physical level, we're not entitled to daily bread. We're not entitled to eat. It comes from the hand of God as we follow his direction. The supply for this radio broadcast is a part of my daily bread. Jesus moves in your heart to give of tithes and offerings that it could be brought into the house of the Lord, that there could be bread in the house of God. And I come day by day and I break that bread and I pass it out to you because that's the Father's will. And if you'll listen, you'll grow in Jesus, you'll become discipled, and you'll be taught in the school of the Holy Spirit. If you write me off as an old crank, as I have been treated, then you will miss out. And you can go to church somewhere and eat ice cream and cookies. I have the meat and potatoes. I have the heavy food, the teaching about righteousness. Some of you just want junk food. I don't want junk food anymore. I want dinner. I want meat and potatoes. I want vegetables. I want real nourishing food. Give us today our daily bread. And then he moves on. Forgive us our debts. In other words, he's using an accounting term. Forgive us the expenses we've created by our wickedness. As we have also forgiven our debtors. This has been the theme all week. You either live in judgment or you live in mercy. You either live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of judgment, or you live by the tree of life. And when you enter the school of the Holy Spirit and you begin to cry out, Your kingdom come, your will be done. You're being transitioned to the tree of life until that tree of life is firmly planted in your soul and Jesus dwells in you. I'm going to come back to this at the end of the broadcast. He then goes to verse 13 and says some things that very few people understand, but we need to talk about. Lead us not into temptation There is no part in this word that means don't bring us with an enticement to do evil. We're clear. In the book of James, God cannot tempt. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation, the word is parasmus. Literally, the word means to put to proof with the purpose of discovering what your character is, to be tested, to see what is in you. Another word would be assayed. So you take some ore, gold, mixed with other things, and you take it to the assayer's office, and there he weighs it, He uses analysis and determines what the quality and what the content of gold is in that piece of ore. He tests it. Job was tested by God to determine what he was made of. And that's why I'm so pleased by his response when he said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, I'm going to trust him. Trust is how he was assayed. Or you go to Genesis, the 22nd chapter. In Genesis 22, we find the story of Abraham being told to take his son and offer him as a burnt offering sacrifice on Mount Moriah. And he did so. And as he's raising his knife to slay his precious son, Isaac, God speaks to him and says, don't touch your son. And he says, now I know that you love me, that you'll obey me. What he's saying is, I know you're putting me ahead of everything else. He's been tested this word parasmus. It is to put to proof by experiment. It is adversity and suffering in order to determine the value of your heart. Remember, Jesus spoke about the secrets of the kingdom of God and he talked about this planting of the seeds and some of the seeds fell, fell beside the path the the earth was shallow and it sprang up quickly and it said well this is wonderful but then the hot sun came and wilted it and killed it why because it had no root the scriptures say when persecution came they fell away in other words Parasmus, in this prayer, Jesus is saying, pray that I'm not going to test you. Pray that I'm not going to bring you into a place of testing, of assaying, of suffering, of adversity. Pray, Lord, don't let Satan sift me. Remember, Jesus said, Satan has asked to sift you, Simon. And oh, he was sifted and he failed. But then he was filled with the Spirit of God. But what suffering, what tears, what repentance he had to go through. I sat outside this morning in the beautiful sunshine after I had taken my walk and done my exercises. I rested a moment outside and the tears just began to flow unbidden because I've been tested. I've been assayed over the last couple of years to determine what was in me, and I have said, Lord, would you deliver me now from this parasmus? And then deliver us from the evil one, it says in the NIV. It's a totally incorrect translation. The word that we're dealing with here is... Uh, pone, pone it's an adjective. And it means toilsome, bad, hurtful. It's Strong's number 4190, if you want to look it up. There, in his Greek lexicon, says full of labors, full of hardships, pressed and harassed by hard labor, perils and danger. So literally, as Jesus is ending this prayer, he's saying, pray that you will not be pierced through. Parasmus is the piercing, the testing, pray that you're not going to be put in a situation by your own decision and your own choice which is often how we arrive in perasmas. we decide to buy that new car and make those monthly payments and then we lose our job and we can't make the payments and our car gets repoed that's a parasmus. we created it we didn't wait on god we didn't get his direction As I look back over my life, almost every parasmus that I've entered into has been my own doing. Not waiting on God. Moving forward out of the own desire of my heart. Out of the loneliness of my heart. Out of the hunger of my heart. Not waiting on God. Not feasting on His word and then always comes the toil and the pain and the evil that is associated with that parasmus. Discouragement fills your heart. Despair fills your mind. That's why he says, deliver us. Deliver us from the evil. Not Satan but from the pain and the toil of this situation. And some of you right now, as you listen, you are in the pain and toil of the piercing because you took a job that you should not have taken. You've made choices you should not have made. You married someone you should not have married. You said something you should not have said. You've gone somewhere. You've moved into a house you should not have moved into. You've purchased something you should not have purchased because you didn't wait sufficiently and hear the word of God. You acted out of your own desire. How many times I've done this. Part of the desert life is the painful parasmus and suffering because of that choice. And Glory be to Jesus. He says, Pray that you will be delivered from that painful toil, that the testing will be over, that you will not have to walk in it anymore, that you will be set free. The promise of God is that every snare will be opened and we will be released from every painful, hard time. But you see, Jesus learned through suffering. I wish I didn't have to say this to you, but most of us only learn through suffering. And we refer to that as the desert. And we stand by faith as we walk through the Parasmus and we walk through the The evil of that hour, we come back and say, Your kingdom come, your will be done, O God. Your will be done, O Lord. That's where the heart is. (laughs) Now it moves on to verse 13. lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In verse 14, is the P.S. Did you know the Lord's Prayer has a P.S.? The P.S. is, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is coming back and reinforcing something that he said over and over through the scriptures about the very clear choice between walking under the judgment tree of the tree of knowledge or walking in the mercy of the tree of life. Which do you prefer? Do you want mercy Do you want the mercy of Jesus in your life? Do you want the grace of God in your life? Then you must grant that to others. It is a process. We cannot justify ourselves... He said, if you remember that you your brother has something against you, go first and be reconciled with him and then return and offer your gifts. Jesus tells us about the Pharisee and the publican, the tax collector. The Pharisee said, thank the Lord that I'm not like that other man. I fast and I pray and I give and I do all these good things. But the publican came in in abject humility and prayed, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, not comparing himself to anyone else, just admitting how guilty he was in Luke 18.10. The Lord said the man who came in humility went away justified, but the self-righteous man went out unjustified, the same as he was when he came in. So let's be very practical. You have a choice. You can pray the Lord's Prayer and you can stand by faith that he will grant you what you've asked, that he will bring you into that place of learning, teaching you in the school of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. It says that the blood of Jesus is crying a much better thing than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood is crying, God, avenge me. My brother has murdered me and taken away my life. Genesis 4.10. But the blood of Jesus is crying, give mercy, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There's a passage of scripture I want to turn to quickly as we're coming to the end of this broadcast. It's found in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. It's the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, For whenever you eat of the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not condemn the world. So, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. In other words, Paul is saying, look, when you come and you sit down and you take the Eucharist, you eat this wafer, you drink this blood, when you come to the communion table of the Lord, whether that will bring sickness or health to your body is dependent on whether or not you have forgiven those who have sinned against you. It will be determined by how you have treated others. Have you judged them? Have you set up a harsh block? Do you want the Red Sea to part for you? If so, then you must be willing for the Red Sea to part in your life and forgive others. Julie, are you there? Hello, Julie. Producer. She must have stepped away. I wanted her to play a piece of music. Do you see why it is so necessary for you and me to understand? the requirement to walk in peace with all men when we've been wronged and judged we don't defend we don't criticize we treat with love and respect even if they're wrong and you know they're wrong you're not going to defend you're not going to argue you're not going to bicker you're not going to get mad. You're going to treat with love and respect and courtesy. This is the call of God on our lives. I'd like to pray with you. O oh Lord, King of all the earth, I come today and plead your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Julie, are you there? There's a piece of music I'd like you to play, and it'll end the broadcast with that. It's the Red Sea Parted. Uh-huh. Do you find it? It's on page one. It's on page one. And then the Red Sea Parted is the title. Good. Good. As we close out this broadcast today, I'd love to hear from you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. This is a long piece of music, so we'll close the broadcast out with it. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.
3: Lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried, yet Moses to stare calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation for Me And it told its finest lies Making all the darker pleasures So pleasant to my eyes I knew a lack of praise Had led me to that hour Standing there surrounded by sin power Yet the terror of those moments Began to fade away As my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day and my spirit took its armor as my lips took up the sword light broke through the darkness a mighty salvation from our shot.